Greetings and welcome to the new student-run podcast from Columbia Business School's Entrepreneurs Organization. We're talking with emerging student entrepreneurs currently pursuing their MBA while in the process of launching their new venture, what they're building, what motivates them, and how they're planning to change the world. I'm your host, Corey Schwitz, a second-year student here at Columbia, and today we're talking with my good friend, Connor Bogan, hailing from Seattle and the CEO of Crowdhopper, a crowd intelligence startup. I firsthand had the chance to see Connor develop Crowdhopper from ideation to execution, and we're excited to have him on as our very first guest on this still unnamed podcast. Connor, welcome. Thank you very much for having me today, Corey. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for coming on. So I think really a goal of the podcast is to get that perspective from the entrepreneur still starting off, not yet with with venture financing, maybe not yet even with product product market fit or customers yet, but to really see how you have created your idea and how you're building it. So I'd love a, a background on sort of how you came up with the idea for Crowdhopper and how it's developed over the last year or so. Totally. Um, thank you for asking. I totally agree with the mission that you just voiced. Uh, it seems like everything you read on TechCrunch or Business Insider or anywhere else is basically explaining the path of the people who already made it to a Series A or a Series B, but at uh, the stage where Crowdhopper is today, you know, one in 10 companies make it to a Series B. And that's a guess. I'm, believe me, I'm not, I haven't quantified that, but my point is that you don't hear from pre-seed startups enough. Uh, and I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to talk about it. Uh, in terms of Crowdhopper, uh, it was inspired by a problem that I was facing too much in New York City. And I kept thinking, if I'm facing this in the most densely populated city in the U.S., then a lot of other people have the same problem. And that is going to a place and walking in and realizing that the crowd is wrong. Wrong can mean a ton of things. It can mean that it's way too crowded and you can't get a drink at the bar or you can't fill up your cart at Trader Joe's. Or it could mean that it's far too empty. You walk into that empty restaurant and you have no confidence that they're gonna be serving you quality food because no one else is eating there and it's 7 p.m. on a Friday. So that idea of missing the crowd was a problem that I wanted to fix. It, it particularly hit me when I was with a group of friends out uh, on a Wednesday night in Midtown, uh, you know, the iconic epicenter of the US, uh, and we tried to go grab a beer somewhere. And we went to one place and it was totally dead, and we repeated that four times, and then the group ended up just giving up and scattering because we couldn't find, simply enough, a place with a decent crowd on a Wednesday night. So obviously this is a audio platform, so describing an app or whatever visual product you have is, might be a little difficult. And once you're, you're launched, our, our eager listeners can go check you out. But can you sort of describe in a little more detail about what, from a consumer's perspective, the Crowdhopper platform would look like and how I would tap into it to see what kind of places are, have a crowd and how that changes yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, I'm happy to voice, uh, kind of, or to try and paint the visual picture, if you will. Um, what we've done is we went in with this idea of, like, how do we figure out where is busy? And we started ideating on it. We came up with an app that's actually already on my phone. You and I have taken a look at it. Uh, and what we have done is we basically paint the city in stoplight colors based on the venue you're looking for. So what our app does is you say, I'm looking for a restaurant. 
and we will color all the restaurants around you red, yellow, or green. It's very basic, but green means calm, yellow means about half full, and red means packed. And just that knowledge, that color coding of all the venues around you, whether it's bars or restaurants or coffee shops, enables so much more efficient decision making. Half the people on my team right now are using Crowdhopper internally. They're using it by themselves to figure out which restaurants to go to uh, during lunchtime so they can get in and out quickly. And the other half, including myself, are figuring out which happy hours are pretty crowded and about to get super packed, so we better show up soon. So I guess what you see when you look at it is a map with little dots for all the venues, and they're colored based on how busy they are. Yeah, and I, I can attest that having played around uh, on the uh, early test version with you, that the interface is really simple. If, you, if you're familiar with sort of any map app, it's already intuitive with just this added layer of crowd size. Yeah. You described Crowdhopper or the early iteration of it as ways for everything outside of your car. Yeah. Um, so is that sort of the vision that you still plan on? How has that changed? And I'd love for you to dive into uh, the experience of working with Lean Launchpad and maybe even explain who Steve Blank is. Sure. So first, this concept of being ways for your life. That is still very much the mission that we're driving towards. We think there are so many location services companies out there, whether, as you mentioned, Yelp, Google Maps, Foursquare, but none of them are just helping you plan your day more efficiently. Uh, they're maybe helping you tap into a perceived quality based on stars. But there's a big gap on efficiency, and that's what Waze solved for drivers. It didn't tell you the most likely route based on like where the freeway was. It told you the quickest route possible based on an instantaneous real-time feed of every single driver in their network. We want to do the same exact thing with Crowdhopper. But to your point, we really had to ideate to get to that vision and to figure out how we can realize it. And that ideation happened a lot in Steve Blank's Lean Launchpad. Uh, Lean Launchpad is a course that happens every January at Columbia Business School. And Steve Blank is kind of the godfather of this concept called the Lean Startup. Uh, he created this uh, tool called the Business Model Canvas. And what it does is it enables a just starting entrepreneur to, instead of sitting down and writing a 60-page business plan, it enables those people to just go out and test the concept, prove that they have a real problem, talk to people, see the glimmer in their eyes when they talk about the solution, and then build from there. So the business model canvas, instead of being 60 pages long, is one page. And all you do in this class is iterate and iterate and iterate on that one page through direct interviews. In one week, my team performed 150 interviews and we developed a minimum viable product with this concept of Crowdhopper. Uh, so in five days, Monday through Friday, we were able to prove that crowd size really matters to a ton of people for different reasons and that the most underserved market is the nightlife space. Um, and we didn't even have that validation going in but by the end of that Lean Launchpad course, I was fired up and ready to go. Um, and then we had another validation for the concept of Crowdhopper occur about two months later when we 
presented Crowdhopper in the Columbia Shark Tank competition. So about 30 companies entered uh, in the concept group. Uh, and because we hadn't launched and we didn't have real users at the time, we were a concept. Uh, and my team was able to win both the crowd vote and the judge vote. So we had a panel of proven venture capitalists and proven entrepreneurs tell us that they thought we were the most compelling idea out of 30. And I thought so many of the other ideas were extremely interesting and they're continuing to be iterated on and, and developed. But I was very thankful for that validation because it just pushed me to go all in. Yeah, and, and I, I can really attest from the outside being another participant in that Lean Launchpad class. There were about 20 different startup teams. As you said, Steve Blank's methodology is really getting out the door and talking mm -hmm. to people and validating the your product. And that's before even building a minimal viable product. Too many entrepreneurs either, one, just want to create something, or two, want to create a product that is only validated by themselves and maybe a small inner circle of people. And only once you really talk to people, strangers, do you really know, no, they don't really want that. Yes, they do. And I saw in that class, there were a lot of teams that either had most of their hypotheses shut down. Mm -hmm. Another group that was getting negative feedback, but maybe not even realizing. And then a, a much, much smaller bucket of teams like yours that overall were getting a lot of positive feedback. Obviously, there was some product iteration, but gave you that confidence to sort of move forward and, like you said, validated through winning Shark Tank here at CBS, not affiliated with the ABC program. Please don't sue us. <laughs> so as far as I'm aware, this is your first uh, entrepreneurial venture, and with that probably comes a lot of roadblocks and unexpected hurdles, and as well as some successes. So I'd love for you to talk about the process of putting together a team. You're still a full-time MBA student, so I'd love to know how you've recruited outside talent and partnered with other people to really build the first version of Crowdhopper. How, how do you get that done? Yeah, so even before I discuss the team component, um, taking a step back, yes, I am a first-time entrepreneur. Um, I come from a management consulting background, and I've also been involved in finance and uh, business development for technology companies. Um, that foundation enabled me to really hit the ground running because consulting above all else gives you structure. It, it helps you figure out how to take a sophisticated problem and break it into manageable pieces and just deliver piece by piece. So that was really useful. Uh, I was also able to get experiencing, experience managing others while I was in consulting and direct management experience is so critical if you want to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I guess through that background and through my conviction about how Crowdhopper can change the way people um, spend their days, uh, I was able to put together a really strong team. Um, to your point, yes, full-time MBA, stretching myself thin. Um, I'm in a committed relationship at home. That takes time. I have been participating in the traveling experiences that are available at Columbia Business School. That takes time. I also interned briefly at another startup. That takes time. Uh, but the number one thing I've been prioritizing 
since Lean Launchpad is Crowdhopper. And building a team around that has been about scrappiness. I've had to go out to different meet and greets um, and hackathons and pitch competitions across the Columbia community, as well as the greater New York ecosystem to just talk to people, let them know what Crowdhopper is, tell them the vision, and figure out what their skill sets are like. Um, one thing I do have to give kudos to Columbia for is that Columbia is a world-class academic institution and it attracts amazingly smart people across all categories. So I've been able to put together a team of 10 people just by leveraging the Columbia network as a starting point. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's freaking ridiculous. I could never do this if I were in um, a less robust place. So that's been fantastic. Um, putting together the team, I realized that the big gap in my skill set uh, is technical expertise, as many people in the Columbia Business School feel the same way. Um, so I needed to get engineers involved early on, and I didn't want to go with the kind of outsourcing approach that a lot of young startups go with, where they just say, oh, I'm going to pay this development company five or ten grand and give them a couple mock-ups and they go build an app for me. I wanted something where the people who were part of the company really believed in it um, and they were co-located in New York City. So Columbia enabled me to tap into that kind of group and we put together a team of five engineers, uh, both front-end, back-end machine learning, um, as well as a product manager, a finance-focused person, a designer, and a marketing-focused person. And that team together, I think, will enable us with all the key building blocks we need to just launch Crowdhopper and kind of give it to New York and execute a marketing strategy and see if we can get some initial traction and prove a little bit of a product market fit. That's a really incredible and a testament to both your scrappiness and work ethic as well as the school's resources. I know everyone hears the CBS really promotes how you're at the, the very center is the, yeah, the slogan. Exactly. <laughs> Probably repeated a few too many times, but as you said, being in New York and having sort of access um, to so many different types of operators, of really across the gamut, you have a team that's in many ways bigger than some startup teams that have already had two uh, rounds of funding is uh, really, really impressive. So... In, in that realm of, of scrappiness, you, you have mentioned you already have a, a pretty big team building this product. Um, I'm, I'm curious how thus far you're, you're funding the project and, and managing to keep that many people in the fold. Very fair question. And um, I've learned a lot about kind of the, the trade-offs between funding decisions and ownership. Um, but right now, we have been able to build everything that Crowdhopper is today uh, on a budget of about $3,000 so far, uh, which is cents on the dollar for the average startup uh, at the stage where we are. Um, but as you said earlier, we have 10 people and that's sometimes bigger than a Series B. That's true, but I want to caveat that we have 10 people who are working nights and weekends because they believe in Crowdhopper. They are not working full time because we don't have the ability to bootstrap them uh, we don't have the ability to bootstrap that ourselves, uh, and we haven't done any kind of financial raise. So right now, people who care about it are working 
in order to earn equity in the company. And by the time we get to that first capital raise, um, Crowdhopper will have parted with more equity than is typical for a young startup. So there's a trade-off here. It's kind of like a, like a, a lever that you have to choose to pull. Do you pay the cash up front or do you part with equity up front? And I've chosen to part with equity because as uh, an individual taking on uh, an amount of money that I don't think Columbia Business School wants me to divulge in debt, <laughs> I, I don't have the capacity to pay these individuals. But I do think that the fact I've been able to get nine other people, as well as myself, to work nights and weekends in addition to their full-time jobs or their roles as full-time students on this for equity, that's a vote of confidence in the fact that Crowdhopper could be something really big. And, and they believe in it. So even though equity is a trade-off that I've made, um, I feel very good about being generous with the equity at this stage because it's enabled us to drive forward. And it's a vote of confidence that I think will speak volumes to investors when they start to look at what we've put together. Yeah, that's super interesting that you bring that up. You know, we sort of have seen probably a trend of once to raise a little bit of capital and starting to build that, that team of maybe being a little cheap with equity. Um, but it's a great point that you've sort of realized the value of it. And right now you can give it away, but you're also motivating a workforce that is going to want to really their partners with you from the ground up. And they're really going to want to stick with your team and see it through rather than someone who just really sees it as a job more or less. Totally. I mean, anyone... If you offer $10,000 to a dev team, they'll go build it whether or not they think it's a good idea. But if you say, hey, I, I have this concept and this is my vision for it. Um, do you want to be part of this? I can't pay you. And they say, yes, I really do. That's a different level of uh, kind of buy-in. That's really, really awesome and, and very well put. So I'm curious not to really put a cliche entrepreneurial question uh, <laughs> on the table, but yeah. we've talked a lot about validation of the idea and you know the rollout of it and the inspiration, but I'm curious what concerns you, what keeps you up at night as a new startup founder? Yeah. So I, unfortunately, the biggest thing that keeps me up uh, at night is a company called Alphabet. Uh, <laughs> Never heard of them. No, they used to be called Google. Um, but Google is entrenched in the um, location space with everything from Google Maps to the fact that they are collecting the uh, location signals of every Android phone. Um, and their ability to turn on crowd measurement definitely intimidates me. Um, Foursquare and Yelp also could be seen as competitors, especially in like location services, such as like venue discovery. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not directly competitive. Uh, and apart from Google that currently publishes that kind of histogram of historical times, no company in the tech space is providing crowd measurements. So yes, I am kept up at night by Google. But my team is already driving to a better measurement than they provide. And we believe we can uh, create kind of a protective moat through our internal proprietary technology uh, and become the best in class crowd sizing company. 
So Crowdhopper doesn't need to be the app everyone downloads five years from now or even two years from now. What we need to be is the most trusted source for crowd measurement. And we intend to kind of take that goal and license it across uh, other platforms and other distributors uh, and, and just try and get as many consumers as possible making better decisions by having that crowd hopper measurement. So it's, it's funny you bring that up. Of course, Google has this breadth of data, location-based data specifically, that it would take you years and years to achieve, if ever. Um, but you know, even for a company as innovative and large as them, really going after a very specific niche like you are, crowd size and, and specific venues, is probably something that, that, yes, they could turn it on, but in other case, they could have also done traffic data and information, but they did not build that themselves. They bought it from Waze and have built that up via other acquisitions. So Exactly. And I think generally speaking, on a broader note, like if you're an entrepreneur in a pre-seed company and your big concern is that Google can eat your lunch, well, guess what? You're probably one of 50% of the pre-seed entrepreneurial community because Google is doing everything nowadays. So I don't think that I would be, I, I would be, um, I wouldn't be sane to not acknowledge the fact that they are a threat, but I would be too worrisome to not continue pursuing my dreams with Crowdhopper just because Google's out there. So you mentioned that Crowdhopper is really sourcing this data from a variety of locations like grocery stores, restaurants, bars, and you know, having that grand vision is great and you see a lot of startups with that big world-changing vision. Is there any of those specific venues that you're trying to initially launch with and that you think you could get owners of those specific venues on board to work with you? Yeah, um, we're starting with nightlife. Uh, bars and nightclubs specifically uh, because we think that is the most underserved space and our gut feeling about that space being underserved uh, has been validated by the fact that at this point we've done over 300 face-to-face -face interviews we surveyed another 400 people and everyone wants better crowd intelligence and location discovery for nightlife specifically um, let me explain why for a second. When I get on Yelp and I look for a restaurant, I typically show up uh, at a four or four and a half star place and I have a good meal. Um, but if you go to Yelp and you look for a four star dive bar, you might not find one because too many people have had drinks spilled on them or uh, been... Uh, Wait, had to wait in line too long or many of the kind of negative things that happen in the individual's experience in a venue that doesn't actually reflect how much fun you can have there and how good of an evening you can have. So there's a big disparity between that kind of concept of a one to five star review and the quality of one's experience, especially in nightlife. And I think that comes back a lot to the fact that food is a really easy thing to differentiate. It's easy to get, you know, a bad type of Thai food or have an amazing Thai meal. But whether you're at a 
three money sign bar or a one money sign bar, they all just put Jameson and ginger ale together when you ask for a Jameson ginger. There's no differentiation between the core product, which means that the review itself ends up being, um, as I mentioned, the, the result of people's polarized experiences at the venue. Um, so right now, if you use Yelp or use Foursquare or use Google Maps to try and figure out the best nightlife venue to go to, you're probably going to miss the mark. Um, but what we can do is tell you where is busiest. And we're also going to be sharing the, the review count and the cost and those other metrics that are kind of ubiquitous across location services now. But in addition, we're going to tell you the crowd intelligence. And guess what the best validation is for nightlife? It's not how many reviews it has on Yelp. It's how many people are there having fun. And so we're going to crack right through that, and that's where we're going to start. And the cool thing is we've already... Um, surfaced 7,000 venues in Manhattan and Brooklyn to launch CrowdHopper. That's incredible. And the, the breadth of potential venues and, like you said, 300 face-to-face -face interviews. just want to go back on that for a quick second for aspiring entrepreneurs. Connor is really, in my perspective, seeing it from the outside, really knows what his customers want. He knows the challenges behind it, but is really go getting out the door. And, and talking to these people and seeing what sort of information they need. And like you said, it you seem to have validated that people want information in that specific, those specific venues in, in nightlife um, and really knowing what's what's happening, what's, what's for totally. lack of better words, hopping, crowd hopping. What yeah. That? <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, it comes back to that original quest on a Wednesday night to find a decent bar in Midtown and the inability to use existing tools to do so. Um, but that was validated through all those conversations. And it's, it's a big gap between what's available today and what people need to have a better nightlife experience. And we strongly believe that Crowdhopper can unlock much better experiences for you on that Friday and Saturday evening. And from there, we'll, we'll branch into the other venue types that, that I've already discussed today. But we want to do that one thing right. So based on that type of venue, is your initial demographic going to be young professionals? Is that, is that you, who you're envisioning? Yeah, we're targeting um, 18 to 32-year-old students and professionals. Cool. Awesome. So I'm curious. You've, you've gotten this far while, while still in your third of four semesters at Columbia. I'm really curious to hear what your plan is through the end of our time here at CBS in May and what those next few months after graduating will look like. Yeah. Um, I mean, starting a company while full-time committed to something else, it's challenging, as you and I discussed previously. Um, but I'm very excited to have the kind of time uh, and ability to go all in on this when graduating. And there are certain key steps that we need to take both with the product and with fundraising beforehand. So in the next month, we'll be launching a private beta. That's where we're gonna test this app out with about 150 people in New York City and get their live feedback, figure out what they like about it, figure out where their issues are, figure out if they even open the app um, when they say they will, and then improve it throughout the winter. And in the spring, uh, around March, maybe April, we wanna launch a public beta which is where you basically put it out to anyone who, can download, who wants to download it 
on the App Store. Um, and in parallel, we run a marketing campaign at, uh, that's both kind of social media driven and, as well as more kind of guerrilla on the ground. Um, so that's what the next few months look like on the product side of things. Um, and then in parallel with that public beta launch, um, we're going to do a fundraise that will enable myself and about two other team members to go full time in on this as soon as uh, I graduate. So the second I graduate, I want to just start doing this um, right away. So the vision between now and graduation is line up the product and line up fundraising. After graduation, heads down 60, 80 hour weeks, whatever it takes to see Crowdhopper uh, start to realize the amazing vision that uh, the 10 of us have all been working towards. So Connor, before we wrap up as a student entrepreneur, I'm curious if you have any other advice for students, whether undergraduate, graduate, in high school, anyone that's currently pursuing education and launching a new venture, whether you have any advice for them. Yeah, uh, Corey, I'm really happy you asked that because I have been blown away by the resources uh, in the greater Columbia like kind of academic and professional world that I've been able to tap into. And I think that many of my takeaways uh, starting a company at Columbia can be applied to any university or even many high schools. Um, I recommend that students, first of all, prove that you're solving a problem that applies to people other than yourself. That Steve Blank methodology, look it up, Google Steve Blank business model canvas, um, and just start there and interview people and see if when you describe your vision for the company, if the other person's eyes actually have a spark in them or if they're just kind of yesing through the conversation to be done with it. Um, then another thing that I really recommend is figure out other people in your network through the school that you can just sit down and talk to. Um, it could be that you're a high school student and um, one of the, your friend's parents runs a company. It could be that you're a student at Michigan and one of the alumni uh, started a technology company in the same space where you want to play. But email them and always say the same thing. I hear you're an expert. I would love to sit down with you and get your advice. The likelihood that you get turned away from complimenting someone like that and just asking for their humble advice is almost zero. You write three of those emails and you'll get two responses and two meetings back. So just start there. Prove that you're fixing a problem someone else has as well and leverage the network you're already plugged into to get advice and start the wheels turning. I, I couldn't agree more in really taking advantage of that alumni and student network and really something that I've really only taken advantage of as a graduate student, you know, undergrad, didn't so realize what the working world was even like, but something that all students in higher ed should be taking advantage of is the fact that they have an active.edu address. And by that, I mean, you can email someone that's out there working in the world, the CEO of a company even, and they see that you're a student and they there's a much higher chance that they will be willing to have a conversation with you and help you out. I think that's completely underrated and building that network and not just the number, but really the how deep the connections mm -hmm. are that you have with people and getting to know everyone from a wide range of cultures, 
industry, it's, it will really benefit as your career goes on. Totally agree. And yeah, I think to add on to my idea of you're an expert, I would love to sit down and get your advice. If you're sending that email from a .edu, as Corey said, it's just going to unlock so many responses and just get, get things going. Awesome. So Connor, really, really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. We will link for our listeners uh, through to Crowdhopper's site, so you can hopefully test that beta version when that co- comes out. But uh, I can say we will be eagerly awaiting to see how the, your startup develops and uh, excited for your future success. Thank you so much, Corey. I, uh, I, I love the opportunity to come on today. And um, definitely check out crowdhopper.com. Uh, sign up for our beta. That's, that's uh, where you can sign up to test it out. Uh, and we're very excited to keep... Um, your podcast and the overall CBS community kind of in touch as, uh, as Crowdhopper continues to kind of evolve and grow. Awesome. Thanks.